You're listening to the Sunday podcast from LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. So why am I up here again? Well, Pastor Nathan uh, texted me about 6.40 this morning. Uh, and if you remember correctly, our 8 a.m. service kicked off this week. So about 6.40 this morning, I get a text and says, hey, what time are you going to be here? Never ask me that. Why? <laughs> and so he's like, I just see me when you get here. So I get here about 10 minutes, 15 minutes later. And I said, uh, what's going on? And he is pretty sick. So uh, Pastor Nathan is ill. So he said, uh, congratulations. I know you haven't written a sermon and haven't studied all week, but good luck. No, <laughs> it wasn't that. Uh, no, I, I actually really, this is an awesome opportunity because this really uh, humbles us in, in times like this where we have to lean on the Holy Spirit and say, uh, all right, God, this is on you. <laughs> I'm going to put this at your feet. Pastor Nathan is too sick to go on, uh, and uh, it is what it is. So we told him to go home. Christy is actually sick as well, so let's just pray for their family, for health and for peace uh, uh, in their family, because I know when mom and dad are sick, uh, kids... Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what he wanted to do was welcome you into the new year and uh, show you and introduce to you somebody we've been talking about for a few months now. So if Pastor Tim would please come up here. <laughs> so I didn't call you that first service. So I, you know, um, sounds good. <laughs> So uh, Tim is our new executive pastor. He joined the staff uh, today, I guess, as your official first day. Um, and so uh, Tim's going to talk for a few minutes a little bit about his journey, how he got where he is. I'll ask him a few questions, and then we'll uh, move forward. So, Tim. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to be with you this morning, and it's such an interesting first day to come in, and, and neither one of us were planning on speaking. And it's like, okay, God, here we are. Hey, let's do this. Let's kick off this new year uh, leading, being led by the Holy Spirit, and see what you have in store for us. And it really struck me, and I didn't mention this last service, but just how we had to pivot and how we're presented with something and we're like, okay, let's do this. Let's be ready in season and out of season. That's why we all prepare not to speak on a stage, but to be ready when the attacks come in your life and to be ready to pivot. And maybe this is the year of the pivot. I don't know. But when you think about basketball, they teach you to pivot, right? You, you're planted. And then when the attacks come, you pivot. And so that really struck me is that we need to be ready to pivot so that when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Think of the basketball as what is trying to be stolen is your joy, is your peace. When the enemy tries to steal that, you can pivot because you've been trained and equipped for such a time as that. And that's why we're talking about fasting and praying. That's why we're talking about fasting and praying is so we can be equipped for when the attacks come. And so there's such a, there's, maybe you've lost your joy this past year. So many of us have because it was such a tough year and it's so easy to be overwhelmed by what's going on around us. But like Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's my anthem going forward this year is that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And you might say, well, how can I be joyful when so much craziness is going on? We're not back to normal yet. We're not back to the comfortable life that I liked to be a part of in the routine. But the joy of the Lord can be your strength no matter what happens because it's not the absence of struggles. It's the presence of struggles with the presence of Jesus that gives us that joy. And so, hi, my name's Tim. And so, uh, 
that was a little mini sermon, but you know, this is an awesome opportunity. This is something that has been on my heart for two years when God has called me into full-time ministry. I've been in the business world for 24 years at the same company, so risk-taking is not something that I enjoy doing, but I will take a God risk any day if I know God's behind it. And so, you know, this was a journey of two years ago, I felt led to go into ministry. I felt led to go into full-time ministry. It wasn't the right timing yet, so I started an online ministry, which kind of equipped and prepared me for... uh, just getting used to talking, getting used to things that I would not have been prepared to do two plus years ago. And so I started writing, um, started blogging, wrote a book, have a podcast, all these little things that I've been doing. And then so the opportunity came about six months ago when Nathan presented this opportunity for me. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. I don't know. I mean, in my flesh, it sounded cool. I mean, I could do something different. I could have a title, a pastor, but I didn't really want that. And I also knew that God was calling me to do more. So I, I waited. I waited for a long time. I waited probably longer than some people wanted me to wait. And I, I fasted. I prayed. I, I asked God, what do you have for me? Is this, is this where you want me to go? Is this what, what you want me to do? And I didn't just take, you know, I didn't just wait five minutes and, okay, I didn't hear. I guess I'll just make my own decision. So I, I really had to wait. I had to dig in. I had to just seek God what you want me to do because this was a big decision. This is a big opportunity. I, I grew up a pastor's kid. My wife was a pastor's kid. And so I, I know, the, I know the, the position. I know the, the, the you know, James 3.1 says that leaders will be judged more harshly. And so you don't jump into a position like that knowing that verse and knowing that, you know, there's, there's a weight to it. And so, uh, but I am honored to, to be here. Uh, LifePoint's been my home for many years. I've been an elder for five years. And so I have a heart for this church. I have a heart for what God's doing. I don't come in with any agenda except to move the way the Holy Spirit wants to move and to do what he wants to do. And so, yes, I can bring knowledge to the table. I can bring all these things that I need to do on a daily basis. But at the end of the day, I was told, uh, I heard recently that humility is knowing that you don't bring anything to the table. And that hit me for a minute. I was like, well... I mean, I have my education, I have this, I have that, but no, everything I have is but for the grace of God go I, and so I need to understand that I bring nothing to the table except that I'm an empty vessel willing to let, the God, let God use me as he will. And so, so with that said, I, 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 I'm excited for what this year has in store. I, I love the, the, the staff, the pastors, this church. Um, I'm kind of adopting uh, Amos 7.14 where Amos is a prophet and he goes before uh, a king and and delivers a a, a harsh prophecy. And these other prophets, quote, quote, come before him and say, would you just stop talking? And Amos says, I cannot stop talking because God has put the words in my mouth. And I would rather plant my fig trees because he was a fig tree farmer or planter. I don't know what you call it. He's like, I would rather do that, but I have to do what God calls me to do. And so in my flesh, I would rather do what's comfortable, what's safe, what's secure, but I have to do what God is calling me to do as a pastor now. So, yeah. Cool. All right. So a few questions so we can get to know Tim. First of all, so for a lot of you out there who don't know, what, what, what does the executive pastor do besides keep us accountable? <laughs> well, I'm still learning. That's my first question. No, but... Uh, you know, it, it's a great position, something that's been needed for years and something that Nathan has wanted. And uh, it's really in charge of the operations of the church, the finances of the church, the day-to-day operations. Uh, communication is going to be a huge thing that I focus on. Uh, just making sure that everyone who's doing a good job is in this, going in the same direction in the same purpose and plan that we have as a church. And so that's a big part of it. The other part of it is the social media part I'll take over. Uh, I'll be on the 945 service chat 
people online. Uh, I have plans for throughout the week uh, interacting more on social media since that is kind of the way things are going and people that aren't comfortable coming to church or that do come to church can still get more about, you know, what we're doing. We started the Tuesday devotional, so if you're not getting those, make sure you, you know, subscribe to those so that you can get those every Tuesday. Those have been great, so we'll do more like that so you can stay connected with what we're doing and, and our thoughts and stuff throughout the week, so. Yeah, and so Tim and I both listened to uh, a, a Canadian pastor, Kerry Newhoff, and Kerry has talked about all over the United States and Canada how a lot of churches are seeing their online presence grow so much that they're kind of treating it like a new campus, which is kind of what we're doing. As, as we've said, there are people who are joining LifePoint online that they've never been here, they've never set foot in the building, but they're faithfully listening, they're tithing, right? So it's like, okay, well, this is a ministry, so Pastor Nathan uh, had the vision that we should grow it, and part of the executive pastor's job, because Tim has been prepared for this, uh, again, uh, I've worked with youth, Mike's worked with youth, and Tim knows social media better than us combined. Um, so, uh, because God prepared him for it, right? And, and uh, so first service, you talked a little bit, and, and I know why you talked about it, but um, talk about how, how sometimes we can, we can force a door open and what the consequences of that are. Yeah. Well, and it's been true, like two years ago when I started doing online ministry, I, I wanted to quit social media altogether, and God called me to it instead of away from it in order to bring life to it and hopefully bring people closer to Jesus because of it. And so, you know, a lot of that focus is, is waiting for God's timing because we can force open a door and God presents doors in front of us. And this, to get to this journey has been many, many open doors that I walk through to get here. And doors, when, when God, God's the God of the open door, I say a lot. And so open doors are in front of you. You don't get to see what's beyond that door. It looks scary, it looks dark, but until you actually walk through it as a step of faith, then through multiple doors later, you can look back and see God's faithfulness. Now, there's no condemnation if you don't walk through that door. But there is a blessing that follows when you move in what God is calling you to do. And if you see a door in the future, sometimes God will give you a vision for something that's years down the road. If you try to sledgehammer that door open in your own effort, you're going to be the one keeping that door open. Whereas if you move through that door in God's timing, God's going to be the one that ordains your steps along the way. And so it's such a good... Uh, whether in, we all have our own journeys, we all have what, we're, what God's calling us to do, and so we can all be faithful in the small, and, and God will use you where you're at because we all have a purpose and a plan, whether it's at your job, at your home, at your, at your we all have spheres of influence that we can use for God's glory. Cool. And so uh, um, you mentioned you are a pastor's kid. Yeah. So the, the, the desire, was it ever there? Is this something, I know I have a few of my sons who I've spoken it over, is that you're going to be a pastor? Is that ever, was your past like that? Is this something you knew 24 years at the same company that eventually you'd be? No, I had no, no idea. And so this is a, a shock to me. And it's something that, you know, is only God because in my own, like I said, my own idea of what a pastor is, I had tremendous respect for it, but I also did not feel that calling. And so that's what Nathan told me too, is like, you have to be called to it. You can't just say, I want the title. I want this. You know, I, I don't want any of that. I just want the glory to go to God. When I, when I do anything online, my, my goal is always, if I do anything, it should be pointing you back to the Bible. That's what I want. I want to just be a vessel that God uses to point you back to the Bible. And so that, that goes for, for this too. As a pastor now, I want to point you to Jesus. I want to help you grow and get connected to Jesus because we have to build that relationship with him. It doesn't just come because you accepted Jesus. It is a, a process. It is something we're constantly doing to grow. And that's where prayer and fasting comes in because it equips you for that journey and to grow in that relationship. You know, uh, Prayer is not something that is 
easy to do. Fasting is not easy to do. It is something you have to, you know, die to yourself in order to submit to what God has for you and to grow in those, uh, in those ways. So. Cool. So just so you all know, uh, when this past summer when the, the pastors went up north uh, and Pastor Nathan said, hey, the elders have talked and we're, we're ready to move forward. Who, who do you guys think could be the executive pastor? With a unanimous voice, we said Tim. So we, 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 we love Tim. We respect him. And we're happy to come under his leadership and, and humble ourselves to his leadership. Um, but it's a team and we're going to do this together. And the good news is, like he said, he is there to hold us accountable, the rest of the pastors. And, and like a good leader, Pastor Nathan has chosen and Tim because uh, in Tim's strengths, you find the rest of our weaknesses, right? So he's, we're, we're going to be a good team and, and this is, we're, we're very, very excited to have Tim on staff. So it's going to be awesome. So if you want to talk to Tim, get to know Tim better, uh, he'll be around. He's kind of hard to miss, but, um, and he's actually pretty quiet. So <laughs> yeah, come say hi. So to welcome to Pastor Tim. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Like I said, this morning. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, so in this, we, we sat together and prayed and said, okay, God, this is your message. What, what do you want us to talk about? And um, we're going into, if you've been part of LifePoint for any time, you know that the beginning of the year is, is always our fast pray series. And um, that's a great way to start the year. It's a great discipline to get used to. Um, fasting, it's not fun. Um, and uh, I don't typically enjoy it myself, but it's, it's a discipline, right? It's something you have to practice and, and, and work toward to get really comfortable with. And so knowing that that was the season we're going into this past winter when the pastors were up north on our trip, we said, you know, what is, what is the focus of the Fast Pray series? What, what is that other word going to be? Right? And if you've been with LifePoint, again, it's been serve, it's been go, it's been um, uh, give, it's been a whole different uh, messages. And this year we changed it up a little bit, and it's disciples fast and pray. And it is both a command, disciples fast and pray. Right? That's, that's what disciples do. Why? Because it's good for us. <laughs> Right? Uh, and so that's, that's the message. So this week, we're going to talk about uh, uh, dis- disciplining ourselves, what a disciple is and what that means. And then into next week, Pastor Nathan asked if you would be encouraged to pray about fasting, what, what he's calling you to fast, how he's calling you to fast, and why he's calling you to fast, right? Um, so what is, what is fasting? Well, first of all, a disciple is, is from the Greek, the word is mathetes. And it basically means exactly what it is. It is somebody who follows the teaching of somebody else, right? Um, and in the idea, it's, it's somebody who's devoted. And if you look at the Israelite term, and again, it's in my notes here somewhere, but it's Hebrew. And I, I'm really good with Greek, but Hebrew, not so much. Um, but the word means the same thing, right? But in the Israelites' time, when somebody became a disciple... They would follow a rabbi, they would choose a rabbi, they would study under that rabbi, and this was a lifelong decision with the intent of becoming a rabbi. And that is why the word is used in the New Testament as a disciple, right? We, we are called to follow Jesus. Why? We, we look at Jesus as, as not just the example and, and, something, and someone we should look to and say, hey, how do I get like him? We look to him and we do what he said and we do what he did, Right? A good leader is somebody who models behavior that we should follow. Jesus prayed. Jesus worshiped. Jesus glorified God. Jesus gave thanks to God. Jesus fasted. Jesus celebrated. 
right? All these things. There's, it's no shock that when our God decided to enter into our time, he came as one of us because he is who we can look to. Now, we're never going to be Jesus. Thankfully, if you call on him as Lord, you receive his righteousness. But we, we can aspire to him, but he set the bar. So what is a disciple is somebody who follows the disciplines of their leader, a learner, somebody who is an adherent of, of another person, right? And a disciple is not a uniquely Christian thing, right? There's disciples of, cults have disciples, right? There's, there's, it's not a uniquely Christian thing. It's a uniquely human thing for us to, to desire to seek out somebody and say, hey, this, this person seems to be the, the one I want to follow. And in this case, Jesus. And we don't follow Jesus for the reward we get from Jesus. We follow Jesus for Jesus. <laughs> That's it. I want to clear, the, clear it up a little bit, the difference between a disciple and an apostle, right? Uh, a disciple, every one of us who calls in the name of Jesus is a disciple. An apostle, there were 12 of them, and they were different. They were called face-to-face physically by Jesus Christ himself, right? That's, that's the difference, basically. But they were also disciples. So we're going to go in our Bible a couple different places um, to talk about fasting and what our example is and what and how we fast. So if you turn to Matthew chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1 and go to verse 4. I think they got it on the slides. If not, you have a Bible near you. There's one under your seat. There's probably one on your phone. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. This verse is about more than just fasting. Right? We're going to get into that. But what I love about this is Jesus, fully human, is faced with the very real temptation. He has had nothing to eat or drink for 40 days. And that is the edge of human capability. Beyond that, medical science says we will begin to die. Our organs will begin to shut down. We will begin to die. But when the tempter comes along, when Satan comes along and says, hey, if you're really God, then you could turn this rock into some bread and just eat it, man. Come on. What are you waiting for? You're hungry. What does Jesus himself do to put the devil back. He uses the word of God. He uses the very scripture to say, no, no, no. I'm not going to come up with something fancy to say. I'm not going to pray some special prayer. I'm going to use the word of God to rebuke you. Because there's power in the word of God. And this is one of those disciplines, this is one of those examples that we should definitely follow Jesus' lead on. In the times that we are tempted, in the times that we face adversity, lean on the word of God. You know, God, God gave it to us so we could be in a close relationship with him. He gave us his revelation. Not, this isn't an all-inclusive instruction manual for life, but it sure as heck is an instruction manual on discipleship. It tells us how to be disciples, how to disciple others, what it means to be a disciple. And it's not a coincidence that the root word discipline and disciple are the same. Methodies. In John's gospel, 
And for some of you who know, a couple years ago, I weighed about 350 pounds. I was a lot bigger than I am now, not that I'm small, but I was a lot bigger than I am now. And when I began to embark on this journey to try and lose some weight, it started with our fasting series. And I was convicted that this was not how I was supposed to be. So I said, okay. So I juiced for a long time. But in in leaning in the word of God, it was awesome that in in John's gospel, chapter four, um, verse 31 through 34, it really spoke to my heart. And in this, it says, let's just read it. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. He, he had met the woman in, in Samaria, the Samaritan woman, rather, and then he sent the disciples off to get food while he has this conversation with her, and then they come back. And they're saying, hey, Rabbi, eat, man. We got food. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. DoorDash was here a minute ago. <laughs> so the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus is saying, look, yeah, I've got to eat. I'm human. But I want you all to understand that what really nourishes me, what really satisfies that craving in my soul is to do the will of the Lord. Yeah, I'm hungry. And folks, fasting, if you were here with us last year, fasting is not giving up Facebook. Fasting is not giving up Instagram. There's nothing wrong with those things if that's what God's calling you to do. I was convicted. God said, the person you're becoming and your thoughts and where your heart is going, you need to get off of social media. And so I did. Fasting, in the biblical context, is giving up food. Period. It is a time of willful and voluntary um, um, focus on strengthening the spirit through weakening the flesh. And that's what Jesus is speaking to. Yeah, my flesh is weak. Yeah, I'm hungry. But I'm strengthened. My spirit is strengthened by God. And it's not a secret that all throughout the Bible, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, in 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, Hebrews 12, the Bible writers liken discipline and discipleship to physical exercise. They compare it, right? Why? Because it takes practice. Being able to fast, like one of our pastors did last year for 30 days, on nothing but water. That takes strength of spirit because your body is going to be weak. Promise, guarantee it. I made it about seven days. Your body is going to be weakened, but that's an awesome thing. Because for a lot of us, myself included, our flesh has an amazingly strong pull on our lives. There's a lot of temptation that comes by way of our flesh. And in order to strengthen our spirit in those times, if we weaken our flesh, that's an awesome thing. Because it gives our spirit a chance to grow. It gives us a chance to trust God in new ways. God will speak to us in new ways. He'll reveal new things to us. It's awesome. You know, the, the Michael Phelps, Tim and I were talking before last service about Michael Phelps. You know, he is disciplined, right? He has to exercise so many times a day. He has to do so many laps to, yeah, he has some given talent, but at the same time, he has to work in that talent and on that talent in order for it to be perfected, for it to grow, to be a gold medalist athlete, right? Now, I, I, he's kind of a bad example to give in a fasting series because the dude ate like 12,000 calories a day, but... <laughs> I don't even know how he does it. I think, I, saw, I think it was a Subway ad or something that he eats like 16 foot long sandwiches three times a day. And I was like, I can barely eat one and I'm not a little guy. <laughs> I don't understand. 
And then I have a 13-year-old son who has a metabolism of a brand-new Ferrari. Um, <laughs> he, could, he could probably eat 10,000 calories and be just fine. Um, <laughs> but it's a discipline. It's something we have to practice. It is something we are called to do. It is something we are commanded to do. In another, another place in John's gospel, the disciples are having a hard time casting out a demon. And what does Jesus say? Sometimes these things only happen by fasting and prayer, guys. He's telling them, maybe you guys need to get your spirits right. In Luke 10, interestingly, this is right before Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. Right before that, he has an interaction with Mary and Martha. And if you know the story, it's Mary's, you know, the spiritual one and Martha's the worker. No, I'm kidding. Um, That's how a lot of people see this story, right? They see that, oh, well, Mary must have been more spiritual and Martha was getting a, you know, a good, you know, conviction to be a little less working so hard and a little more spiritual. But that's, I don't really think that's what's going on. So let's read it. Luke 10, starting in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Then she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me here to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but the one thing, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Like I said, a lot of people see that. Jesus is not condemning Martha for serving. He's not even really telling her to stop. What he's giving her is a prescription for peace to her anxiety. That's what she's talking about. Jesus tells her, you're anxious and troubled about many things. He's looking right into her heart. And what he's saying is, in your anxiety and in your trouble with these things, come sit at my feet and learn. Come sit at my feet and listen. Just come sit at my feet and be in my presence. It will bring you peace. You're anxious. Come on, have a seat. Mary understands that. She's at my feet. There's work to be done. There's always work to be done. But you're, you're troubled. There's something weighing you down. There's something heavy on you. And in a fasting time of fasting, that is a discipline that is required. Is being able to sit in the presence of Christ and saying, man, I can't do this. I'm really hungry. And he'll say, Chad, it's been 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> but it's sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, I'm weak. You are strong. I need your help. Fasting is one of those disciplines that is paired with prayer. Prayer and fasting are are inseparable. They, They go together. They have to. It is part of the armor of God. And like Pastor Nathan said a few months ago, we don't put on the armor in the middle of battle. We don't come into a time of trouble and say, okay, I'll try this fasting thing this time. We put on the armor before we go into battle so we are prepared for battle. If we fast regularly and if we pray in all things at all times, then when the hard times come, it's not as difficult. 
It's not as difficult to say, you know what, maybe I should fast for this. Maybe I'm, I'm going through these troubles and I haven't even considered fasting. I've prayed a little bit, but I haven't even considered fasting. Tony Evans, who's an awesome, awesome preacher, in a series he'd done in fasting a long time ago, he made a joke that he was going to stop having people at his church come to counseling sessions. He'd give them three sessions. And by the third session, if they haven't agreed to a fast, he's done with them. If you're not willing to fast over this issue, what can a pastor do for you? If you're not willing to submit this to God in some way of say, hey, if prayer and fasting, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it to you because I can't. If you're not willing to do that, we're just men. So he says, hey, you got three chances. So as we go into next week, be in prayer about this fasting season, what it's for. 2020 was a rough year. There is no guarantee 2021 won't be worse. Everybody says, oh, yay, new year, everything's going to be great. Says who? <laughs> it could be the same, it could be better, it could be worse, we have no idea. The battle could be bigger. But if we don't prepare for the battle now, it's going to be rough. So fast for this year. If you're struggling with something, if you've got something weighing you down, and like Martha, you're anxious about something, you have many troubles with certain things. A lot of us do. It's health, right? Health is a big thing this year. Finances. I know some of you have lost jobs or lost hours or jobs have to change. These are struggles, and Jesus is saying, I, I, I want to help you. With God, all your prayers are yes and, am, yes and amen, right? He's saying, hey, I, I can help you. I can give you peace in this troubled time, I promise. And so we go into this fasting season, we'll do it as a congregation. If you're called and you feel God is telling you to do it for 30 days, do it. If God says do it one meal a day, do it. If God says just stop eating those and only eat this, great. But focus on food. We're gonna transition into a time of communion It's funny how fasting is a, is a big deal for Jesus, and in the Bible, fasting is a big deal, yet all the celebrations revolve around feasts and food. <laughs> One of those feasts was the Feast of Passover, and Jesus was celebrating Passover with his closest friends. It's a meal, and if you've never, if you've never researched or participated in, in today a Passover Seder, I would encourage you to do it. It really opens your eyes as to what the Last Supper was about and why they were doing what they were doing. It gets to a point where Jesus, who obviously knows what's happening now, up to this point he's told the disciples over and over and over again, it's not my time, it's not my time, it's not my time, but now it's his time. And he knows what's coming. And he says, men, when, it, when you get together, every time you gather, whether it's in your home in a small group, whether it's online with others, whether it's in church, every time you gather in my name, I want you to share in this thing we call communion. At LifePoint, the only thing required to share in communion with us is that you have professed your faith in Jesus as your Lord. That's it. When he sat down, he took the bread, and he said, guys, when you get together, I want you to break this bread. And when you break it, Remember my body, which was broken for you. And do this in remembrance of me. Would you eat with me?
In the same way, Jesus struggled to peel back the little cup thingy. (laughs) No, he poured a cup. (laughs) He poured it into a cup. And he lifted that cup and he gave thanks and gave glory to God, knowing that his life is going to end. And he said, guys, when you get together every single time, I want you to do this. I want you to pour this cup, and when you do, remember my blood, which is going to be poured out to cover your sin. Do this in memory of me. Father, you are too awesome for words. You are are gracious, you are loving, you are merciful. As your creation, you want nothing more than just to spend time with us. You revealed your, in your word how we can spend time with you. We can read your word and know that it's speaking to our heart. We can pray, we can fast, God. All things that your son Jesus did. God, right now I pray for this congregation as we embark in this fasting series for strength and for peace. Father, I lift up Pastor Nathan and Christy and his family. God, cover them. Give them health. Let this be a, a, quick, a quick little cold or flu or whatever it is. Give them peace, knowing that when mom and dad are sick, times can be rough. Send them help. Send them what you need, what they need from you. Most of all, God, just lift us up and continue. God, don't remove your hand from us. Continue to bless us. Continue to comfort us and help us to know that you are God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.